The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents. To find out more about this talk show or other talk shows broadcasting on KUCI, log on to our website at KUCI.org or check out the latest program guide. Good morning, you're listening to KUCI 88.9 FM in Irvine, California, streaming online at KUCI.org and podcasting on iTunes. Welcome to Fighting for Love. This show will help you turn conflict into collaboration in all your relationships. I'm Lloyd, the show's engineer, and your host is Mari Frank, an attorney mediator since 1985. She's the author of several books, including Negotiations, Breakthroughs, and Fighting for Love. She's a mediator for the Orange County Superior Court Civil Mediation Panel, and she mediates business, employment, divorce, privacy, and other civil cases in her private practice in Laguna Niguel, California. Mari's a professor of negotiations and conflict management and has been a certified state bar trainer for over 25 years. She teaches leadership and conflict management courses at Brandman University and here at UCI, and she trains corporate leaders' powerful communication and conflict transformation skills. To learn more about the show and our great guests, please visit conflicthealing.com. Mari, what's your show about this morning? Well, today, this is fascinating. We are going to be speaking with a psychiatrist from out east, and she wrote this wonderful book, um, Wired to Connect, the surprising link between brain science and strong, healthy relationships. And it even includes brain exercises for building better relationships. So I'm so excited to tell you about Amy Banks, MD. Uh, She wrote this book with Lee Hirschman. And let me tell you a little bit about her. Um, She was an instructor of psychiatry at Harvard Medical School. And now she is the director of advanced training at the Jean Baker Miller Institute at Wellesley Center for Women. And she has a private practice in Lexington, Massachusetts, where she's coming from today. And she specializes in relationship psychopharmacology and therapy for people who suffer from chronic disconnection. And this is so beautiful because we all really want to connect. And so I was having such fun reading this book called Wired to Connect. So before we uh, get started, I'm just thrilled that you joined us, Amy, all the way from the East Coast. Thank you for uh, writing this book. Uh, Thank you so much, and thank you for having me on. I'm really happy to be talking with you about this. So how is it that you came to write this book? What what, uh, kind of instigated you to write the book? Well, I'll tell you. I mean, part of it is that uh, what I had been doing in my life is really kind of teaching and talking and, you know, thinking a lot about the neuroscience of relationship and all of the studies that are coming out and have been over the past 20 years. And I sort of think of myself as a you know, as a synthesizer and somebody who likes to take kind of complicated ideas and make them user-friendly for their, so they're useful. And as a psychiatrist, you know, so much of the mental health information uh, from the neurosciences doesn't trickle down for about t- 10 or 20 years. And I thought, you know what, I really want to try to do that faster because um, I think there's real, a real urgency about it in terms of the direction their culture is going in and uh, the way that so many people uh, really 
are struggling in their relationships and struggling really with chronic isolation in this particular culture. Exactly. And what I love about it here, you know, you've been a professor and you, you know, are used to dealing with other, you know, training and teaching, but this is a nice consumer book. And we all want to connect. We all want to have loving relationships. I mean, we look at all the online dating and all the craziness. People are just dying to connect and they don't know how to do it. And I think that this is, you know, I mean, I'm kind of on the same place why I decided, you know, after doing divorce for 30 years as a mediator, it's like, I see what's going on here. (laughs) People are wanting, I mean, they're fighting for love. They're fighting against anything in their lives that that keep them from getting that love. But, you know, I love what you're doing because it is showing that there is real brain science behind relationships, which I think is, you know, we're not just uh, woo-woo here talking about how do you you have a lover, you know? It's great, great. Right, right. Well, and one of the, you know, one of the things that we do know, and I think, you know, my book really highlights this, is sort of the relationship to, between neuroscience and culture. And, you know, I think a lot of people suffer with this idea of why am I continually getting into bad relationships? And, you know, the first thing that I really want to tell people almost to take the pressure off is you live in a culture that devalues relationship, right? And Mm. we really... We really promote the strong individual who can, uh, you know, self-regulate and uh, stand on their own two feet and kind of play that game of being unemotional and kind of detached and aloof. And we really, we really value that on some very prime level. Um, and when that happens, relational skills actually get devalued, right? And so yes. they're not taught in the ways that would be helpful. I mean, I'm thinking about your work around conflict resolution. I mean, yeah. that is that you know, that is the clearest path to intimacy in my mind is the yeah. ability to bridge conflict. Exactly. And, you know, I I got a kick out of, you know, in your first chapter, uh, Wired to Connect, you say that boundaries are overrated. And it's funny because (laughs) I I co-authored my book with a therapist. Okay, so you've got this attorney and a therapist. And I wanted to talk about boundaries. Mm -hmm. So we have a chapter on boundaries, and then we have one on building bridges. And I thought it was fascinating what you were saying, because I see people who don't respect boundaries at all. Okay, they come to Mm -hmm. me and they have overstepped boundaries or they allow someone to, you know, just overstep their boundaries. And it's really horrendous. But the other side of it is, you know, bridges. So let's talk about that. You know, you you say boundaries are overrated. So, I mean, you sounded like my (laughs) co-author. Well, I'll tell you why. You know, I, I did it purposely to be a little provocative. And again, because we live in this culture that is so interested in forming these individual bounded selves selves, if you will, you know, the, yeah. the, the, that sort of myth of the, of the strong individual or the separate self. And what neuroscience is telling us is that there is no separate self, right? right. Is that we literally on a cellular level, we are interacting even when we don't know we are cognitively. And so, so yes, the statement's provocative. Um, and I don't mean for people to be doormats, right, right? right where they right. just walked, where they get walked over. But what I really want people to be thinking about is the idea that that space in between in between people, where the relationship lives, is is where all of the uh, skills and the action and the positive can come if you learn how to navigate that space. Right. If you don't, then 
you resort to putting up walls, right? Yeah, yeah. You resort to putting up walls or laying down and being a doormat. So the idea is let's think about that space as kind of a semi-permeable membrane where all of the relational action happens and that if it's too walled off, that's not going to be good. And if it's, you know, if it's completely just wiped out, that's not good. That's where that's where negotiation happens. Right, right. And you talk about being flexible. And I think that's so important mm-hmm. because in a relationship, you know, we evolve. There's yeah. so many stages of the relationship. And, and also things happen where one becomes more dependent on the other for maybe they're ill for a while. Or yes. let's say something else or one is going to school or, or, or one lost his job or her job. And, and, you know, or the kids grow up. There's so many changes yeah. and we evolve through those. They that the actual boundaries have to be flexible. And if they're not, then, you know, then that's when you got some problems too, right? Oh, absolutely. And in fact, that flexibility, I think of the term relational resilience, right? Mm. And that's the ability to sort of move in and out of connection, disconnection, back into connection, and to really be able to bear and tolerate that and to know that that in and out process of connection and then disconnection or misunderstanding or a fight, um, that 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 also is normal and it's human, right? Yeah. And the more you are able to navigate your way back into connection from disconnection, the more resilient that relationship becomes, right? Exactly. Um, And that's where the flexibility really comes from. But again, that really needs people understanding how to reconnect. Yeah. You know, we wanted to name our book The Gift of Conflict because we had done a bunch of workshops called The Gift in Conflict. However, nobody understood that. (laughs) 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 Like, well, I don't want to read a book about the gift in conflict. So we changed the name. But, you know, but really and truly, if you, it is, it can be a gift if you use it as a tool to reconnect and to to evolve and to change. So, you know, I mean, Oh, it's it, it's amazing, you know, the, the brain, how that gets involved, too. Yeah. Let's talk about the mirroring effect. And mm-hmm. I know that's another thing that we, we wrote about as well. Mm-hmm. And I, I love it the way you um, explained it. So why don't you just talk about what is the mirroring effect and, and its implications? Well, the mirroring, thing, uh, mirroring effect is uh, based on research that has been done, again, over the past 20 years that really that has found these uh, neural pathways that... Uh, uh, all human beings have uh, called mirror neurons or, or a mirror neuron system. And basically what we've come to find out is that in order for you and I and anyone else to understand the feelings, the emotions, the actions, the intentions of other people, we literally, in our brains, we make a template as if we're doing that ourselves and so that we have literally a physical, cognitive, intuitive understanding of that other person. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That's, that's what mirroring is, and you can put somebody in a scanner and actually see those pathways light up, right? Um, uh, and, and part of the original work actually was it was found by um, researchers in, in Italy who sort of had a, a little monkey hooked up to an MRI or, or uh, in, mm-hmm. up to an electrode in this one area that measured the grasp, um, you know, just reaching out for something. And what they found was that that area fired even without it not moving its arm, but when it saw another human being or monkey reaching for something, yeah, right? Yeah. So in that little monkey's mind, he was reaching too. Right. 
right? Yeah. And it's like when you smile, like uh, we were just uh, recently yeah. in, in Panama, and people were there from all different countries, and I speak Spanish fluently, but I don't speak German, I don't speak French, I don't speak a lot Portuguese mm-hmm. or a lot of these other languages, and so I decided I'm just going to smile at everybody. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and And everybody smiled back, you know? Yeah. I mean, yep. and, and, you know, they'd say hola or whatever they say, mm-hmm. and um, so that was kind of the mirroring effect, isn't it? It's not only a mirroring effect, certainly it's the mirroring effect, but the other thing that that was, and I the book, I actually talk about sort of, I break it down into four main pathways for connection. Mm-hmm. And the interesting thing is, so you're smiling to them. The other piece of neuroscience that has come out about relationships is that that automatic or that autonomic nervous system that we all have that is kind of working in the background all the time, and people have associated it with sympathetic and parasympathetic, right? The fight, flight, fight or flight, or the freeze response, and come to find out there's a third pathway. It's called the smart vagus, and it, in fact, innervates the muscles of our facial expressions, right? Yeah. So when you smile, and usually when you smile, your eyebrows lift, so all of those muscles in your face, those little teeny muscles in your inner ear, in your throat, esophagus and your larynx and what happens in fact when you go out and you smile at that other person you give that smart vagus nerve a workout and when you smile it feeds back into your sympathetic nervous system and makes you calmer Hmm. okay so it's really a direct inhibitory effect on your stress response system and that's why it's ingenious it's actually one of the exercises i have people do so imagine what you're what you're starting by simply going around smiling you know, and saying hello or hola or whatever, yeah, yeah. is it the other person, you know, almost nine times out of ten, in, particularly in cultures that are quite, you know, communal, they look at you, you make eye contact, they smile, they get a little uh, decrease in their stress response system, and, so, and it goes on and on and on. Yeah, right? yeah. Yeah. And I think, what about energy? I mean, can't you, I know when I walk into a room with people who are very much in conflict, whether it's a divorce or a business dispute, I mean, I could almost cut the room with a knife. (laughs) You know, I mean, and that's, that's, uh, you know, that's that energy going on that that's all underneath everything. What about that with regard to the brain? Well, I'll tell you what. So when you're talking about that kind of tension, what you're picking up on in that moment in those really periods of big um, unresolved conflict is you're really talking about two people that are in sympathetic um, stimulation, right? Their stress mm-hmm. response or, or, or having a meeting. I mean, earlier when we talked, you, you mentioned reptilian brain, right? Right, so right. They, they, they basically have gone into that place. And that's what you're feeling. There's a whole separate part of energy in a relationship when you're in a safe, healthy relationship. Actually, the relationship is attached to your dopamine reward system, right? right? Your dopamine reward system is that system that everybody associates with addictions. And it's that kind of hit of euphoria that you get when you do something over and over and over. But initially, it actually is attached to relationships. Mm. And so, you know... One of the things that I talk about, and this is from, uh, there's a, a great neuroscientist, Louis Casalino, who you might uh, be familiar with, who has written, his quote is, healing involves re-establish- reestablishing the link between healthy relationship and dopamine. Mm. And I just love that, right? So that 
human beings, other human beings, you go out into the world, you connect with your partner, with your friends, and those relationships give you that sense of zest or energy uh, for you to go out in the world and do what you want to do and be who you want to be. Right, right. And, you know, it, it's interesting how people in the, in, the, in the beginning of a relationship, they've got all these chemicals going on in their brain, right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> gets yes, them, you know, yes. all this lust and excitement and, and, and you know, yeah. and then that kind of wears off, right? Yes. <laughs> you got it. Yep. Yeah. Yeah. So people do talk about that, right? That, that initial rush. Sort of like I think there's actually been studies that measure it, you know, compared to taking cocaine or something. You know what I mean? Right, that, like, right, right. That insanity that you get when you initially fall in love and your chemicals, so your dopamine is just pouring out. Yeah. Yeah, and people want to recreate that, you know, mm-hmm. and that's, I, I wonder if that's why people have affairs because they just, they want to recreate that and after a long term relationship, you aren't necessarily going to have all that, are you? Right. Well, yeah, no, you're not, you're not going to have all that. But, you know, it's funny, I was just talking with a patient today about, you know, the way that in the long term, in long term relationships, anybody yeah. who's had a deepening relationship that increases in depth and safety and comfort, right. that too can uh, stimulate the dopamine. It's not that quick rush that you right. get. And I think, I think the, uh, that in love places, a little bit excitement and norepinephrine, right? A little right. bit of the stress response system with the dopamine that makes it, you know, kind of heightened and, you know, throw in the hormones and you've got, you know, such a soup that, you know, <laughs> you're sort of paralyzed by it. Whereas, you know, that slow, steady dopamine stimulation that you get from, you know, coming home to a mate that you love, that you know, that's just safe and comfortable and, you know, with supportive with moments, yeah, supportive, with yeah. moments of excitement. And, right. You know, yeah. That's why it's important to go on vacations. <laughs> yes. Well, the vacations and people talk about date nights. And I mean, it's easy right. in, this, in this world, right, to be swept up in the stress of just everyday life and not actually attend to the relationship, not pay attention to keep that alive a little bit. Right. Right. And you point out that our relationships live within us. Mm-hmm. And um, so let's talk about that. You know, if you haven't sure. had the healthiest, you know, uh, people enter into relationships with a long yeah. history of past. You know, I always tell people, if you don't work on yourself after you get this divorce, if you don't get some therapy, if you don't work on yourself, you're going to end up with a Susan with a different face and a different name. You're you going to it. keep repeating the same thing over yeah. and over again. So let's talk a little bit about that. Sure. Um, so what I mean by relationships live with, within us is that uh, these pathways, these four neural pathways for connection that we're all born with, you know, sort of little precursors precursors of that, then when we go out into our relationships with our parents, our guardians, or, you know, the people in our community, those are where these pathways either flourish into really, you know, robust pathways that allow us to identify safe relationships, connect in them, communicate, build all those skills. Now, what happens when somebody uh, doesn't do that, or they are, you know, raised in an abusive relationship, or, you know, love hateful behavior gets labeled as love, right? All of those kind of confusions that you see, those become wired in you. And one of the things that humans do over and over again is we go for the familiar, right? Right. Neurologically, we literally will go for the familiar. So 
you know, there you are again, just as you say. Here you are again with Susan, except now Susan's Betty. Yeah. <laughs> <Right>? <laughs> yeah. Um, you know, and you're banging your head against the wall saying, how, you know, how did this happen again? And if you don't understand the way that this these pathways literally get programmed to a certain template. I mean, in the world I live in, we call them relational templates and the ways that these relationships literally are coded in your neural pathways for connection. If you miss that, (laughs) then you're going right back there. Yeah. So you have to do some digging to understand yourself, don't you? I think the the challenge is some of this, so much of this is unconscious, right? Yeah, a lot of it is unconscious, but, you know, one of the things that I uh, really try to do for people in my book, Wired to Connect, is to give them uh, some way to try to assess this. I, I don't know if you had gotten to the point yeah, yet where there's that. actually a, a relational assessment tool, and what it does is it allows you to take, you know, the top five, it's, it's based on percentages, so technically you could take more, but it allows you to take the relationships that are that you spend the most time in and really sort of assess the quality of those relationships. Mm-hmm. And so you literally, you, you know, it's sort of like looking at your relational world in 3D. And at right. the same time, what it allows you to do is take a snapshot of these four pathways for connection. You know, right. if you're chronically in relationships that can't tolerate conflict, uh, you know, where you don't feel seen, where you don't feel heard, where you, there's not a lot of laughter, you know, you know, in this assessment tool, the scores will be lower, but it gives you some information about, okay, who's safe, who's not, what do I need to work on? Yeah, I think that's the hard part is like once once you see this, I mean, the good mm-hmm. news is you can recognize those patterns. Like I like some of your yes. questions here, like I trust this person with my feelings or yes. this person trusts me with his or her feelings and I feel safe. I mean, these are really... They're, they're introspective, so they're great because yes. you don't usually think about those things. You just feel, I'm angry or I'm hurt or I'm resentful. Right. You don't get to right. the deeper part. I think that the next hardest part is how you change yourself, how yep. you stop those patterns, right? Yep. Yeah. But, but again, <laughs> our friend neuroscience is really telling us how do you how do, you do um, ongoing brain change, right? And what right. we know yeah. is that in some ways the brain is... Very complex, but very simple. The more stimulation you give to a certain pathway, the stronger it gets. And so if you look at the pathways for connection that I talk about, the more you bulk up the smart vagus nerve and, you know, what I say is, you know, kind of rebalance that whole autonomic nervous system. So if you, you know, just in a very reductionistic way, if you smile every day and look look at people and stimulate that smart vagus nerve, and do meditation, which settles down your sympathetic nervous system, you will begin, in short order, to rewire those pathways. So it always starts with awareness, but then it's a matter of stimulation. And with relationships, it's a matter of, okay, you know, I notice that every time I interact with this person or in this certain way, I feel horribly stressed. What's that about? You know, okay, and awareness and then how do you move out of that? Yeah, yeah. You know, who is safe? Who could I, you know, and, and I think another thing is really getting out of that mode of I have to do it on my own. I have to do right. all of this on my own. I have to change it on my own. You can't right. change relational patterns on your own, right. ultimately. I, and, and that's what we 
are, is so beautiful about relationships. If you're in a trusting relationship, you can say, I want to work on this on myself. Like yeah. I'll say something to my husband. Well, I, he'll say, you know, I don't, I don't want you to tell me how to drive or something. <laughs> right, right. And I'll, yeah. I'll go, well, don't get mad. Just remind me, remind me yeah, gently exactly. and about right. this. And, yep. and then, you know, as I've been writing my own book and doing my research, I've actually seen that our relationship has improved <laughs> because yeah, I'm trying right. to practice what I preach, right? I have to yeah, I walk my talk. So, so yeah. you're right. I mean, once you're aware, like, oh, wow, I'm doing this. Well, I don't want to be doing this anymore. That's right. You know, right. I don't want to be doing this. And then it's like any other pattern. You have to keep doing it to get to change, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. So I, I think that this this chart is really helpful. I think that that is, you know, really wonderful that you've got that chart. I wanted to get into, um, you know, when you have that chapter on maintaining your brain, I think that yeah. one is really important. Let's talk about some of those things, because I worry about that getting older, about maintaining sure. my brain. And, and also, as I maintain my brain and my spouse re- maintains his brain, because we're both yep. getting older, and, mm-hmm. and I don't want to turn into, have him turn turn into like a nasty old man and me a, right. <laughs> an, yeah. old, an old bitty. <laughs> right, right, right. Well, you know, the first thing um, from the chapter is, you know, again, an awareness thing, which is aware, uh, being aware that how your brain is functioning overall actually impacts your relationships. Right, right. right. And to begin, yeah, and to really begin to think of what are, what are some basic brain maintenance strategies that you can do that, A, actually aren't all that time-consuming, and B, can have, uh, you know, really long-term uh, implications and helpfulness, if you will, to both your brain and your relationships. And they range from the simplistic, which is drink pl- plenty, of, plenty of water because, you know, your neurons transmit via electricity, in a sense, until they get down to the synaptic ends. So you need some, you need nice plump <laughs> neurons, yeah, right? Yeah, yeah. Um, you know, something as simple as that to really thinking as you're getting older of a brain maintenance, you know, processing kind of an activity um, where uh, there's, a, there's a group called, I think it's called Sharper Brains, and they've, they've sort of set up an equation of what, what is necessary to keep your brain active and alert. You know, if you do crossword puzzles over and over again, you get better at crossword puzzles, right? Right, right, right. Um, so it's, it's a program that works on processing speed, on memory, on a few other things, changes based on the level of correct answers you get, right? Right. And so it gets a little harder the more you're able to do it. But it works in a number of different uh, ways so that it's really more flexible and can grow with your brain. Yeah. Uh, like you know, we, we take, yeah. yeah, and we're taking classes together, you know, on, on, you know, kind of trying to be more enlightened. And, and that, yeah. I think, helps us both. And yep. again, we're using our brain because we're learning new stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then you had Omega. I, I take yep. a bunch of Omega. I think yeah. that was interesting. Um, what about coconut oil? <laughs> what do you think about coconut oil? Well, I, I, as I recall, I'm not an expert on coconut oil, but I 
I, I believe, and maybe you can tell me, is coconut oil have some of the omegas in it? Yeah, it or does. It- and I had seen actually the, a psychiatrist, a woman psychiatrist. I saw this um, on on uh, YouTube and on TV, where her husband had gotten Alzheimer's, and mm-hmm. she started giving him um, like a huge tablespoon of of coconut, coconut oil, oil in his oatmeal, and he yeah. started. He was. He was unable to make a sentence, and after three weeks, wow. he was able to tell time and make a sentence. That's stunning. That's stunning. Yeah. So yeah. we've been like eating a lot of coconut yeah, right, oil. right, right. Well, you're going to get a lot. You're going to get a lot of the omega three because it's it's kind of in our culture. And what I always tell people to look out for is for the brain, it's DHA and EPA. There's another kind that really is very good for your body, but doesn't cross the blood brain barrier, so you don't actually get it in your brain. So um, you know, so that kind, but that's located and can be found in a lot of different things. Um, you know, from, you know, people talk about salmon and fish, um, right, you know, and right. certainly any kind of whole foods or natural, actually even CVS and Walgreens these days will carry, you know, really good solid preparations of uh omega-3 fatty acids. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I just think it's so fascinating. We don't have a lot of time, so I just want to make sure that we send people to your website. And this wonderful book, I find it fascinating. It's called Wired to Connect, The Surprising Link Between Brain Science and Strong, Healthy Relationships. And I love that it has these exercises, because my poor husband is going to have to do these with me as well. Yeah, good. Good. (laughs) For better relationships. Why why don't you just give us your website, and it's time to go. Sure. They can find me at two places, amybanksmd.com, and then uh, my larger organization that um, promotes relationships and cultural advocacy is jbmti.org. Well, that's wonderful. So just keep in touch and we'll uh, I will. we'll get together again and have a wonderful conversation. I love the book and I just hope everybody goes and reads Wired to Connect. Thanks so much. Yeah, thank and, you so much, Marie. Yeah, we'll talk to you again soon, Amy. Thanks so much. Yeah. Bye-bye. Be well. You've been listening to KUCI 88.9 FM and Irvine and KUCI.org and the net. I'm Mari Frank. Join us every Monday morning at 830 and visit our website at conflicthealing.com. Thanks. The opinions and views expressed in this program do not reflect those of KUCI, its management, or the UC Board of Regents.